0: Well, it's that time of year for many of us when the College Football Preview magazines start rolling out and none better than this one right here. Phil Steele been a staple for going on 30 years now, and he's joining us on Heartland College Sports. I'm Pete Mundo. It's always good to be with you, whether you're on YouTube or the podcast, as always, we appreciate you taking a couple of seconds out and hitting that subscribe button. And as always, thank you to our radio affiliates who carry the show. Uh, Phil, just talking about this briefly off the air before we got going here, the way that your job has changed in the era of the transfer portal, how has that made your life more difficult when it comes to putting together the best magazine in college football?
1: Yeah, not only made my life more difficult, but the coaches as well. Uh, (laughs) You know, it used to be, Pete, uh, once spring practice was over, you had rosters were set. Now spring practice is over and the transfer portal opens up May 1st Closes May fifteenth, so there's all kinds of folks jumping in the portal, uh, jumping out of the portal, landing at different places, and uh, it's it's a very active uh, month of May and into the month of June as far as uh, tracking where players go. And what I do now is, uh, you know, the only way I can fit in talking to 125 of the 133 head coaches like I did this year is to do it over a five six week period. So you do actually have to start. Uh, sometime in May, and then they just update me. They, they'll text me, hey, this guy's gone, this guy's back, and we make sure we got it all in. Some of the magazines were in the newsstands June 1st. I don't know how you do that because that means you had to go to the press May 1st, which is before the transfer portal even closed, but uh, it's it's made it a little bit more hectic in the month of May for us.
0: Well, speaking of hectic, uh, the Big 12, of course, adding four new teams to the conference, Phil. And when you look at UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, and BYU, I mean, we'll go through the Big 12 as a whole. But of these four new teams, who do you feel like is most ready to compete immediately in this conference?
1: Uh, The one I'm going to go with, Pete, is uh, UCF. Uh, I'm going to talk to Coach Malzahn, going on the squad with him. He said he's been preparing for the move to the Big 12 for a couple of years now, mm-hmm. uh, they're pretty stable at the quarterback position with John Rice Plumley. Of course, a very dangerous runner, but also a solid passer. I think they have better depth now at quarterback. Should Plumley get injured, they've got a Timmy McLean and a Xavier Williams. You look at the talent they have on the offensive line, and defensively, they've got a lot of all-conference players. And remember, Gus Malzahn coaching the SEC, so this isn't a big step up for him. Uh, conference-wise. It is for the team, but he's been preparing for it for two years. I think UCF is the most talented of the four teams and the best prepared.
0: Yeah, and when you look at the rest of these, I mean, is is there one that sticks out to you as being most concerning as they get set for their new venture into the Big 12 conference?
1: Yeah, the one thing I wouldn't want to be doing uh, is having a new head coach with an inexperienced team, and that's what Cincinnati has this year. Cincinnati's had a lot of great success, Recently, they went 13-1 and one two years ago, 9-4 and four last year. But now they have a brand-new head coach in Scott Satterfield, so the players have to learn him. He has to learn the players. They only have three starters back on offense, six starters back on defense. So it's a lightly experienced group, first-year head coach. And, you know, I'll tell you, Pete, in, in my uh, coaching rankings in the magazine, I usually rate first-year head coaches lower. Uh, as an example, in the Big Tw- Big Ten, for example, um, I've got great respect for, for Matt Rule and Luke Fickle, but they're rated towards the bottom because they're first-year head coaches. I can tell you every single second-year head coach I've ever talked to has said, boy, Phil, we're in much better shape this year. I know the players. Players know the systems. We're all set and ready to go. So first-year head coaches do have something they have to overcome, and then having an inexperienced team on top of it, I think Cincinnati fits into that category.
0: Now, when you look at some of the old teams, uh, Phil, as we look at the Big 12 Conference here, TCU, of course, gets to a national championship. Nobody predicted this one year ago. But, um, you know, I I love what you do with the bull market and the bear market, kind of like a stock market indicator. And when you look at TCU, I mean, you can be the biggest TCU homer, but there's only one direction to go, it seems like, when you look at loss of talent and then also getting a few breaks and having the ball bounce your way. I mean, take us through the analysis of that, and what it could mean for a team like TCU this season.
1: Yeah, and and all the key indicators, like you pointed out, Pete, are are saying that TCU's going down this year. You look at the stock market indicator as as a minus 6.9. The offensive YPP last year, they had an incredible 11.7. I do Mm -hmm. an article in the magazine that says if you have that kind of good fortune on offense, you generally drop the next year. They're taking on a tougher schedule this season. Uh, there's a lot of areas they are in the going down box. Now, the one one they're not is when I talked to Coach Dykes going over the team with them. He felt pretty good about the talent they have. Comparing it to last year's team, he feels they're pretty much on par. But I think, as you pointed out, they caught a lot of breaks last year. There were a lot of weeks where um, it appeared that they were about to lose and somehow pulled out the win. Uh, I don't see any way they get anywhere near last year's 13-win total. But Coach Dykes does like this year's squad.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, you look at teams that you've got in in your bull market side, you have three Big 12 teams in your top 10. You've got Oklahoma, um, along with Iowa State and Oklahoma State, three teams and three fan bases that firmly believe they underachieved last year. Uh, How do you determine who gets on that list? And why are those three Big 12 teams worthy?
1: Yeah, the stock market indicator uh, in the magazine basically takes a look at the two years prior to last year and then last year. And it's been a very good indicator. In Oklahoma, for example, they're off a 9 and 11 win season. So they averaged 10 wins per year in 2020, 2021, and then dropped to 6 last year. Generally, that means they're going to get back towards that 10 level. And I am actually bullish on all three teams this year, not just because of the stock market indicator, but because of a lot of things that go in their favor. In Oklahoma's case, I think they have better talent than they did last year, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Coach Venables hit the transfer portal hard. They brought in a ton of transfers on the defensive side. There's no way Venables is going to have a defense that allows 461 yards per game like it did last year. And it's sort of a complex defense. Takes a little bit of time to understand this defense. They understand it this year. remember Dylan Gabriel got hurt last year. He's back and healthy. The offensive line solid. You know, in Vegas right now, Oklahoma is actually favored in 11 of their 12 games. Now, with Oklahoma State, one of the key indicators for me this year is schedule. And they have an amazing schedule this year. I'm not sure uh, who they have uh, pictures of of the Big 12, but I'll uh, mm-hmm. tell you what. They play six teams that were not Power 5 teams last year. They avoid Texas, TCU, and Baylor. And remember, this is a team that at one point last year was 6-1, and one number nine in the country, and then sort of tallied off at the end of the season, dropping all those games. But they have talent, both sides of the football, and they've got the schedule to make some noise this year. And then with Iowa State, they were probably the most unfortunate team in college football last year. They they were the anti-TCU, where (laughs) TCU was uh, winning all these fourth-quarter comebacks and, and pulling out miracle wins. Iowa State was blowing fourth-quarter leads. They had four fourth-quarter leads that they lost. Had they held on to those leads, it would have been an 8-4 and team last year. And you look at them as far as their conference numbers go, they were plus 52 yards per game. Now, generally when a team is plus 52 yards per game playing a nine-game schedule, there's something like six and three. But this Iowa State team uh, last year – in conference play was just one and eight. So they lost a ton of close games, games where they missed a field goal at the end of the game to lose a key turnover, five plays away from being nine and three last year. They've got 15 returning starters back. I think Iowa state makes a big jump this year.
0: Now the team you've got at the top of the big 12, Phil Steele is the Texas longhorns. Um, Of course, you're not alone in that. When you look at the talent, you can't deny it with Steve Sarkeesian's group this year. So is, is Phil Steele ready to say that Texas is officially back? And if so, why?
1: Well, I don't feel Texas is back until they get back to being what Texas was, which was a national title contender every year. I think, uh, you know, you get in there and do it one year. That doesn't even mean Texas is back. And I'll tell you this, last year I didn't have Texas at the top of the Big 12. I had him about in the number four slot last year. Uh, But this year, when you look at the overall talent they have, I mean, every single one of their units ranks in my top 25 in the front of the magazine. Not just the top Mm -hmm. units, but the top 25. They've got my number five set of receivers in the country, number four offensive line, number 10 linebackers, number 11 DBs, and they're a complete team. Solid on offense, solid on defense, and number three special teams. Now, unlike Oklahoma State, they draw one of the toughest schedules in the Big 12 because of the tough top six teams in the Big 12, They're the only one that has to face each of the other five this year. So the schedule's not easy, but 16 returning starters. And talent-wise, if you look at my ratings in the magazine, uh, the Big 12 unit rankings on page 138, I actually have them in the number one category in all the uh, the positions. There's some ties there for the number one spots. Uh, But I think Texas is the most talented team this year.
0: You know, one thing you can't ever quantify, Phil Steele joining us here on the show, it's always great to have him on. The Preview Magazine is always a must-have as you get ready for college football. Uh, teams like OU in Texas, it's their last season, of course, in the Big 12 Conference. They always get everybody's best shot, but it feels like that will be on steroids this year. There's probably no way to quantify it, so how would, how would Phil Steele analyze that part of what's going to be a very unique and likely topsy-turvy Big 12 season?
1: Yeah, and that was definitely uh, put into my factors as far as, even though I have Texas and Oklahoma as the two teams at the top, that was my biggest concern when I was listening at the top. I'm like, whoa, well, wait a minute. It's their last year in the Big 12. Uh, and so that that is definitely a question mark heading into the season, and it's something you can't really quantify. Uh, I wish you could. I wish you could put it uh, into something, but I just had to go with the, uh, the talent on the field, and uh, I, I think they will get everybody's best shot this year, though.
0: You know, when you look at uh, teams like last year's Kansas State squad, and and you thought that that was going to be Chris Kleiman's best team, it certainly was. How can he follow it up? It looks like he's got a great offensive line. He's got a very solid quarterback in Will Howard. Maybe some questions on the other side of the ball on the back end, but how do you uh, look at this Kansas State team as they try to defend their Big 12 championship?
1: Yeah, and... Coach Kleiman, I think, is the key there. Uh, you look at last year's squad. They had the star power last year. Remember, they had seven mm-hmm. players coming back. They had quarterback Martinez, running back Vaughn, wide receiver Knowles, uh, nose guard Huggins, linebacker Green, CB Brents. They had a lot of star power back. Of those top seven guys, only one returns this year. But I do like the talent. You look at Will Howard, at quarterback. Uh, you look at the receiving core. You know, they, they've been moving with more two tight ends because of a lack of depth at receiver, but the receivers are now actually improved this year. So they're they're going to be uh, it, uh, it, it okay in that area. The offensive line has everybody back. I rated the number 11 offensive line in the country. And, of course, the defense uh, will be solid. Uh, the key to me to Kansas State this year, replacing Deuce Juan at running back. Let's face it, he was a key part of that offense. Uh, I think Treshawn Ward, the transfer from Florida State, has that opportunity. Now, he missed the spring with injury, but he's a home run hitter. So keep your eyes on him this year. And as long as Coach Kleiman's pacing the sidelines, I think this team is a Big 12 contender each year.
0: Now, Texas Tech, there's a lot of hype around the Red Raiders. They're getting picked as kind of a dark horse team in the Big 12. And Joy McGuire is just doing incredible things on the recruiting trail. Uh, Texas Tech, Phil Steele. I mean, are are you buying into some of the hype happening out there in Lubbock?
1: You know, you can look at Texas Tech one or two ways. My power ratings looked at him one or two ways this year. Now, last year. Texas Tech won some close games. They were plus yeah. four in the net close wins category, which means change one play in those four games, and they're were 4-19 last season. Won a couple of games in overtime, and they got to 8-5. and five. But there's no doubt this year's Texas Tech team is a better team talent-wise, and it, we're, we're going to lose the term super seniors pretty soon because all those players that got that benefit of the extra 2020 year – Well, sort of all that eligibility to be gone in a year or so. But Texas Tech is a super senior team this year. They've got 10 super seniors on defense, five super seniors on offense. When I went over the team with Coach McGuire, he was super high on the quarterbacks with Tyler Shuck, Baron Morton, Jake Strong. Uh, He thinks he has the best quarterback room, not only in the Big Ten, but in the country this year as far as depth and talent goes. And this is a veteran squad across the board. Now, they do lose a key player in Tyree Wilson on the defensive line, but they think they've got a guy like Miles Cole that can step in and uh, take over that pass rushing spot. So I think Texas Tech has the talent to be up there. They were fortunate last season. And I mentioned my power ratings. My power ratings are all over the place. Uh, one of the, have them call one of the sets, two of them actually have them going 11 and one this year. One of them has them going five and seven. So, you know, it's, you can really take a look at this Texas tech team and call them a wild card this season. Are they a big 12 title contender? Yes. Can they fall to the middle of the pack? Yes. I, I'm anxious to see which team shows up this year.
0: Doesn't that, in many ways, Phil, summarize uh, the Big Twelve? Is we'll, we'll talk about some of the other teams, but isn't that? Do you think this is the most unpredictable and what could be exciting conference in America this season?
1: Yeah, you hit it right on the head, Pete. And and I'll go back through the uh, second right through process of the magazine. I do it in a three right through. Uh, the first one is a postseason right through. The next one is a pre-spring, and after I do the pre-spring right through, before talking to the coaches. I like to do a little forecast of uh, a pre-forecast, which I can, of course, change, but I like to do that in, in the month of March. And when I did that this year, I pretty felt pretty good about my Big Ten as far as who are the teams at the top and who are the teams at the bottom, ACC, all the way through every conference except one, the Big 12. It's like, well, who do you possibly put? at the bottom of the big 12 and who do you put at the top because I can make a case for you know a team like UCF being towards the top I can make a case for them being towards the bottom and it used to be in the old days Pete you just take Kansas and pick them last place in the big 12 you've got that taken care of you can't do that anymore (laughs) so the big 12 really is to me the most confusing conference in college football and the most competitive
0: yeah it's going to be an heck of a year. So exciting. Now, you mentioned Kansas. Now, I saw them. Of course, they shocked the world last year. They hosted game day. They got to a bowl. Nobody saw it coming in Lance Leipold's second year. But I see them here. Uh, We go back to your stock market indicator. They're a team that you could see taking a step back, despite a lot of people saying, hey, Phil, I mean, they bring a lot of players back. They're a year older, a year more experienced. So is it just how the ball bounced for Kansas, or how do you see that playing out?
1: Yeah and once again the stock market indicator is is a pretty good uh, indication it, it goes back it takes a look at the previous 2 years where Kansas won an, an average of 1 game per year and now they won 6 last year generally you see teams uh reach or go back towards that but as you touch on this is a team with 17 returning starters this year now they got off to a great start last year 5 and 0 but then after that, they were one and seven, and they did suffer some blowout losses like Texas 55 to 14, Texas Tech 43 to 28, got beat by Kansas State by 20 points down the stretch, sort of regressed a little bit. But the thing about Coach Leipold, going back to his days at Buffalo, he really develops the program. And it got to the point in MAC play where Buffalo had been and also ran. He had him be dominant towards the end. Now, I don't know if he's going to get Kansas to be dominant, but he's got the weapons this year with Jalen Daniels at quarterback, Devin Neal at running back a deep veteran receiving core. The offensive line is back as a whole. I think the key to them is going to be defense. Uh, They've got seven starters back. They're going to have to be better than allowing 469 yards per game. They did bring some transfers in. Now teams are not going to overlook Kansas. Like perhaps they did at the start of last season. But when I look at Kansas this year, I think they do have a good shot of getting back to a bowl game.
0: Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Now, The team at the bottom of your uh, 2023 forecast, Phil, and when it comes to at least teams that were in the Big 12 last year, you have Houston and Cincinnati at the bottom. But the West Virginia Mountaineers, um, Neil Brown, we know is on the hot seat. There's a lot of question marks around this team going into the season. What concerns you most about WVU?
1: You know, to me, the the thing that actually concerns me most about West Virginia is the coach on the hot seat. Nothing against Neil Brown. I think Neil Brown's a heck of a coach, did a great job at Troy, doing a good job here at West Virginia. And he's got some talent. I mean, you look at the running back core. uh, It's one of the top running back cores in the league. The offensive line is solid. They've got the uh, quarterback, I think, in Garrett Green and also Nico Miracle that can get it done. And defensively, they look pretty solid. Like a player like Sean Martin up front, the thing that concerns me most, I'm going to go back to Auburn last year. Uh, I was high on Auburn coming into the year, and I thought if Auburn could take care of business early, Harson gets off the hot seat, the team starts playing for him, and they do extremely well. Well, what happened was they lost that game to Penn State, a very poor second half, probably should have been in the lead and then got blown out and right after that, Brian Harson was a dead man walking, and you wondered if the players were even listening to the coach anymore, knowing that he was on on his way out. That would be my biggest concern with West Virginia because they open up with Penn State on the road. They have Pitt at home, Texas Tech at home, and then TCU on the road. If they open up one and four, all of a sudden, Neil Brown could be that dead man walking, and then you wonder how much the team has bought in and listening to Neil Brown on a weekly basis. Now, it could be completely the opposite. Let's say Brown goes ahead and bags a couple of big wins, like Pitt and Texas Tech early on. Then this is a very dangerous West Virginia team. Going back to our Big 12 comment, it's tough to pick this team, this conference top to bottom. Uh, it, it, West Virginia is a real wild card this year as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, the two teams at the bottom I just noted, Houston, Cincinnati. Do you think that those two programs, uh, Phil, have a ways to go to get the depth they need to compete in the Big 12? Or are you just saying, as you have throughout our conversation here, that somebody's going to be in the bottom of this league? It's impossible or it's very difficult to predict. And I think that this could be a one-year thing for Houston and Cincinnati. Or do you think there's a ramp-up for each program as they take a step up and play?
1: Yeah, there is a ramp-up. There's no doubt about it because this is these are teams coming from the American Conference. As much as I love the American Conference, it's not a Power Five Conference, and now they are stepping into one. So the depth is a concern and may take a little bit to build. Plus, these teams, both Cincinnati and Houston, right towards – the bottom of my experience chart, which is not what you want to do when you're taking a step up in class. Uh, I was surprised that uh, Houston lost their running back in the spring. They do have Tony Mathis coming over from West Virginia. Uh, Question marks at quarterback. Donovan Smith should be able to step in and do well, but he's rather inexperienced at this point. And uh, just overall, they lose 26 lettermen from last year. They only have 31 returning. Generally, teams return about 65, 70% of the Letterman. They're more towards the 50% level. So I just think it's uh, Houston would have probably been towards a rebuilding year anyway, like Cincinnati. And that's why I have them towards the bottom.
0: Well, Phil, it is the magazine that every college football fan has to have. I'm holding it up right here. The Big 12 edition of Phil Steele's College Football 2023 preview. PhilSteele.com is the best way to get it, right, Phil?
1: Yeah, philsteel.com. And when you go to philsteel.com and order the magazine, you get the hard copy, but we also give you the digital copy absolutely free right now. And if you get the digital copies actually updated all the way through September. Now the two stores that have it, there used to be, we used to be at every store, but we cut that out. We're at two stores this year, Barnes and Noble and books a million, probably right there in Kansas city. We're looking at Barnes and Noble is your best bet. They are loaded up with magazines right now. So you can walk into your Barnes and Noble and get one today, or you can order one at philsteel.com and get the digital as well.
0: Love it. you got to do it. It's the best part of summer reading is Phil Steele's college football preview magazine We always appreciate him joining us. If you're new to the show, hit that subscribe button on the podcast or on YouTube, and always thank you to our radio affiliates. Phil, thanks so much for all the work you put in for this. We so appreciate it, and thanks for joining us on the show.
1: Hey, Pete, always a lot of fun talking football with you, my friend. Had a great time today. Absolutely. Well,
0: as we wrap up the show, I would be beyond grateful as we inch towards football season if you could take 30 seconds out to leave us a five-star rating and review on the show here on iTunes and in turn, in exchange. I don't know many other shows that do this. I'm sending you a free Heartland College sports koozie. It's my way of saying thank you because growing this show takes you. There's no massive marketing arm. There's no big company that owns us. It is you. It is us. And that's why... As far as I can tell, I put my money where my mouth is, and I send you these koozies personally in the mail. It really means the world to me, so thank you so much for taking 30 seconds out and doing that. So appreciative of your time, and uh, we'll be talking to you soon. I'm Pete Mundo on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. Take care. We'll talk to you soon.